Well, here we are. First week of August, the first month since December with high school football in it. Football season is here, gentlemen, which, as I've said already, sort of a bittersweet thing as far as this podcast is concerned, because if you are a regular listener to this to the show, then you know that with the arrival of football season comes the shuttering uh, of this podcast until January, which means today's episode, episode number 144, is our final episode of season three of Keep Your Pads Down. It's been another awesome season of the podcast, one that would not be possible without you, our listeners, uh, who tune in each week from all across the country. Uh, a huge thanks also to our two sponsors, Goetic Graphics and Our Coaching Network. Uh, more on them in a moment. And of course, the reason why you guys tune in each week, really want to thank our weekly guests who deserve a lot of gratitude for taking time out of their busy schedules to come on and share with us. So again, thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, thanks to our awesome sponsors. And of course, our guests, thank you to them for making this season of KYPD so much fun. A few highlights from season three as we kind of look back. Uh, so this season featured 28 episodes with eight of those being high school football coaches, seven from the state of Texas, uh, 14 college coaches and seven episodes featuring guests outside of coaching. Uh, and since we are talking about those episodes, two of the most memorable episodes for me personally from this past season was um, our episode with the coaches wise a few weeks ago where we had six uh, uh, wives uh, on the on the podcast to talk to them about the rewards and challenges of being the wife of a coach. Um, that one is really special to me because my wife was on there and also my, my daughter made a, a little bit of a cameo. So that one was memorable and one that I'll, I'll always remember. And then back in April, we had an episode with Blake Cantu, who was a former standout wide receiver for South Lake Carroll High School over there in the Dallas Metroplex and then the Oregon Ducks. Uh, and Blake um, really ha had to deal with some devastating injuries that shortened his playing career, which led to his battle with drug addiction. And, and to hear his story and how he's recovered from that and the role his faith has played in that recovery and what he's doing to, to better himself was really, really inspiring. Uh, so both of those episodes were extremely powerful and sort of outside of the norm of what we typically do on this podcast. So if you haven't given them a listen yet, go back and check those out. Uh, but those are definitely two episodes from this season that stuck out to me this past season. If you have a most memorable episode from season three of the podcast, then we'll give you a chance to shout that one out later on in the week. Uh, on Twitter. So keep your eyes open for that later on this week. Anyway, another highlight uh, from this past season is I think it was earlier in the spring, we eclipsed 50,000 total downloads all time for our podcast, which is really cool. Uh, and now I think uh, last time I looked, we're, we're sitting at just under 53,000. So that's awesome. That's, you know, we've been doing this again. This is our, our third year for this podcast. So that's total. Uh, and so that's uh that's that's really cool and 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 again that wouldn't be possible without you guys coming back and and checking us out each week so I appreciate that we also got to partner up with our coaching network earlier this spring to put on a four two five clinic that entire four or maybe five hour clinic can be accessed on our coaching network with your monthly membership by the way but that was a lot of fun our second year in a row to do a clinic with those guys uh, there's also one from uh, twenty twenty one the spring of twenty twenty one which is a just a d line clinic all by itself that also is available. Uh, for our coaching network members. So uh, anyway, that's something that you can check out, but love being able to do stuff with our coaching network and really kind of helps, gets me out of my comfort zone and always learn something doing uh, those clinics with, with those guys. Anyway, we are not quite ready to close the book on season three just yet. We still have one solid episode lined up for you guys before we close things out. But before we get to that, for the final time this season, I do want to pump up our sponsors beginning with the guys who I just mentioned in our coaching network. 
Our coaching network is a football coaching platform that connects coaches from all levels and helps them get better every week. Our coaching network has live clinics going off usually two to three nights a week, and we'll have hours of high-quality live coaching clinics this year with each week's clinics added to a library that can be referred back to at any time in the future. So get on over there today and create your account. Subscriptions are super affordable. You can even sign up for a free week and cancel at any time. So start connecting with and learning from coaches all across the country today with our coaching network. Next up, if you're looking for a way to promote the awesome things going on with your athletic programs this fall, then you got to check out what GoEdit Graphics has to offer. GoEdit Graphics allows any coach to create custom graphics from their library of templates in a matter of minutes by changing the colors, text, and images to make it their own. They offer categories like game day, scoring, player profiles, and communication, just to name a few. The platform is easy, it's affordable, and no design skills are needed. GoEdit Graphics is a great way to showcase all your sports and athletes, and subscriptions are for 12 months and include unlimited graphics. The process is super easy and user-friendly. And like always, mention keep your pads down when you're ordering and receive $25 off your showcase yearly package. Highlight your athletes with custom-made graphics in less than two minutes with GoEdit Graphics. Okay, well, today we have the privilege of speaking with a defensive line coach of the most dominant football program in the nation over the past decade, maybe even decade plus. I'm, of course, talking about the Bison of North Dakota State, and today we welcome on their defensive line coach, Coach Nick Gazer, to the podcast to talk about the culture of the Bison program that has allowed them to continue to dominate year after year. And then, of course, we get into talking about the Bison four-down front and how they keep things simple, which allows their guys to play fast and physical. Uh, we also talk about how Coach Gazer coaches playing zone read, power, and then close out talking about how he breaks down an opponent's run game. Coach Gazer joined the North Dakota State University football staff as the defensive tackles coach in 2010 and was named defensive line coach for the 2022 season. He has served as NDSU's recruiting coordinator and special teams coordinator during parts of his 12 years on the Bison staff and is currently the team's pro scout liaison. Coach Gazer has coached on 12 straight NCAA playoff teams at North Dakota State, winning nine FCS national championships and 10 Missouri Valley football conference titles. The Bison led the nation in scoring defense three straight years from 2011 to 2013 and have consistently been among the top five in FCS, including number one again in 2019 and 2021. Coach Gazer came to Fargo from the successful Minnesota Duluth program where he was the defensive line and outside linebackers coach from 2007 to 2009. UMD went 15-0 and won the 2008 NCAA Division II National Championship. Coach Gazer served as an assistant coach in charge of the defensive ends at Augustana College by 2005 and 2006. The Vikings won two college conference of Illinois and Wisconsin championships and made one NCAA Division III playoff appearance in that time. In 2003 and 2004, Coach Gazer was a member of the Marietta College football staff as a defensive line coach. In 2003 and 2004, Coach Gazer was a member of the Marietta College football staff as a defensive line coach. A native of Scandinavia, Wisconsin, Coach Gazer played his college ball at the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, where he was a four-year starting defensive lineman and a 2002 All-Wisconsin Intercollegiate Athletic Conference honoree. He helped the Blue Golds, he helped the Blue Golds post back-to-back -back eight and two seasons during his final two years there, where they claimed the 2001 WIAC title. Coach was also a captain of the team as a senior. Here is Coach Nick Gazer on episode number 144 and the season three finale of Keep your pads down.
Coach Gazer, I can't think of a better way to close out this season of the podcast than to talk some D-line play with a coach from the most dominant program in college football easily over the past decade or so. Uh, so super excited about this one, Coach. Thanks for coming on. Well, I appreciate you having me on, and uh, it's always exciting talking some D-line play. It gets me excited, and uh, we're we're a couple days away from reporting, and and uh, uh, the excitement is extremely high right now. So I'm um, excited to talk with you tonight. Yeah. So when is reporting date for you guys? It's I think you said it was it's sometime next week. Is that right? Yeah, we, our kids report um, Wednesday, August 3rd uh, is when our kids report and kind of check into the dorms and get all their physicals and get all that stuff taken care of. And then our first practice is that next day. So we start August 4th with our first practice. So we're a couple days away and, and we're getting ready to go. So I'm, I'm curious because you've been at this thing for a while. You've been at North Dakota State for a little while. What are the emotions or the feelings that you feel kind of in these days leading up to reporting day? Do you still get you know, kind of the butterflies are anxious or excited, like describe what, what that's like, that feeling's like for you. I, I still do. I get excited. It's a new team. It's a, it's new guys. It's new guys playing different spots. It's some new coaches. Um, so I get excited. I get fired up and, and uh, uh, there's nothing better than being out on the grass and practicing. And, and I think when I do lose that, it's probably time to give it up and go do something else. But I feel like I still have the excitement I did since day one and uh, um, excited to get back out there, see the guys work with the guys and uh, Wednesday and Thursday can't, can't come soon enough. Yeah, I think you're exactly right on that. I mean, I, we, we, our guys report Monday, so we're starting Monday. Um, and, and so I, I, it's the same thing. Like we had, we actually scheduled our summer where we have this week off, which has been good, but it's been really, really hard to, to, to push everything out of my mind and, you know, and, and kind of just focus on, you know, these last few days of you know, being off with my family, because you're right. It's the same thing. It's like, it's that anticipation, that excitement that you have of getting out there and, you know, putting the pads on and, and running around and, and just making sure you got everything ready to go is it's fun. And it's, and it's, it's what makes, in my opinion, this time of year so special and, and at the best time of, of year for us coaches. Uh, well, let's, let's back up and cover a little bit of your background here. Talk to us about where you grew up and, and how you were introduced to the game of football. Yeah, you know, I, I've been a Midwestern guy my whole life. Uh, I, I grew up in central Wisconsin, a uh, small community, uh, graduated about 50 kids right in central Wisconsin. My mom and dad still live there. Um, and that's kind of where I got introduced to, to the game of football. You know, as a young kid, um, you know, we, we had a, a very influential high school coach by the name of Scott Erickson that um, you know, number one, got me involved in football and got me interested in football and encouraged me to um, compete hard and, and, and work hard. And, you know, in our small town, uh, we had a lot of kids that uh, after high school went on and, you know, became a farmer and, you know, worked at the local factory or worked at the local grocery store, whatever it might be. And, and again, nothing against those people. They're doing a phenomenal job and having a great life for themselves. But I think one thing that Coach Erickson kind of instilled in me is there's other opportunities out there, you know. And, and he told me, you know, Nick, you're, you're a good enough football player that if you want it bad enough, you know, you can go play college football and, and earn a degree and, and, you know, go off in the business world or, or do whatever you want to do. So I think he was a guy that, you know, just showed me that there's opportunities out there. there there's other opportunities um, after uh, high school uh, to go play college ball. So I had a good enough career uh, at high in high school to get an opportunity to go play Division three football. And I went to uh, Wisconsin-Eau Claire, uh, which is in the uh, WIAC, good Division three college football league, and 
had an unbelievable experience there. Met a couple of, um, you know, had a couple of really great coaching staffs, met some of my best friends um, that, that are still my best friends to this, to this day. And, and, uh, but coach Glazier was, was our defensive coordinator. Um, coach Glazier, uh, after um, my senior year, took a job down at Marietta College in, in, in Marietta, Ohio. Uh, went down there and, and uh, played in the OAC. I shouldn't say coached in the OAC and really got my first experience of what coaching football was all about. And, and again, Division III, um, you know, you have your struggles at Division Three, but also I don't know if there's a place that I could have learned more um, than being at a school like that at the Division Three level. You know, at the Division Three level, you're the you're the strength coach. I, I mean, one year I was coaching the D line. I was the strength coach. I was the video coordinator, and I helped with equipment. You know, so you're you're, you're getting your hands dirty and doing a little bit of everything. Um, but an unbelievable experience. I learned how to recruit. Learned how to recruit against some really good programs. You know, we're we're playing in the same league as Mount Union and Baldwin Wallace, and you know we're a little Marietta, Ohio, and we had to try to sell kids on coming to Marietta, you know, rather than going to some of these, these schools. And, you know, we, we, we struggled our first year. And then after that, you know, we had a couple of years where, where we were 500, but 500 at Marietta was a pretty darn good football season. So I uh, had a great experience there, learned a ton about football, uh, got hired at Augustana College, Rock Island, Illinois, was there for three years in a program that had seen a ton of success. Um, again, another division three program. Uh, again, another place that I learned a ton about recruiting and how to sell our program, how to sell our university, how to sell our education. You know, Jim Barnes was the head coach there. Uh, coach Cl- uh, uh, Lindmark was another uh, guy that had, was a big influence on me. But uh, great experience there. Was there for a couple of years and then had the opportunity to go coach at Minnesota Duluth. Uh, went up to Minnesota Duluth. Um, um, worked with John Steger, uh, who's the defensive coordinator up there, who is probably the guy that has taught me more football than anybody else. Um, he's been at, at Duluth probably 15 years now um, and, and is a great football coach and went up there and, and Bob Nielsen, um, who is now the head coach at South Dakota, um, recruited me when I was at Eau Claire. So another very influential person in my life. Um, met my wife at Minnesota Duluth. Um, loved the place. We won a national championship there in, in uh, 2009, I believe. Um, 2008, I'm sorry. Um, and I just absolutely love Duluth. Great place, great school, Division II football, scholarship football, learning how to, you know, kind of ins and outs of offers and scholarships and things like that. Uh, but just an unbelievable experience. And then, and then NDSU, I, have had a, I got an opportunity at North Dakota State, and I should go back. You know, when I was at Duluth, um, you know, I, I, as we all know, networking is such a big thing in college football. So, you know, when I was at Duluth, I, I, uh, I worked a bunch of camps at NDSU and went up there and, and worked camps and worked my butt off and um, coached really, really hard um, and, you know, showed, showed some of those coaches that, that I was a good football coach. And, and uh, when the job opened up at NDSU, you know, NDSU in 2009 was coming off a, a three, and, three and eight season, I believe. You know, and, and I interviewed for the job and, and uh, I knew, you know, three and eight at NDSU is, it might be, you might be there for one year and be done. So I was, I was a little nervous about it, but I also trusted myself. I, I, I knew I could coach football. I knew I would work really, really hard. Uh, I knew we, you know, had some good things going. I knew we were kind of getting the thing going the right direction. And there, there's some coaches there that I really trusted that I knew we were going to work hard. Um, and, and Coach Bowl obviously gave me the opportunity to come to NDSU. And uh, I've been there for 13 years. Um, it's been awesome. I've met some unbelievable coaches, been around some unbelievable players. 
you know, people that have been um, taught me a ton of, ton about the game of football, you know, from Coach Bowl to uh, Scotty Hazleton, who's a D coordinator at Michigan State, to uh, Coach Kleiman, uh, who's the head coach at Kansas State, and, and Matt Entz, and uh, A.J. Cooper, and I mean, just some great football minds and great football coaches that, that taught me a lot about the game, and uh, I've, I've loved my time at North Dakota State. It's a special place. Uh, we have uh, two young kids. My wife's got a great job here. Uh, we love it here. Uh, and it would really be hard for me to ever leave this place. And I've really um, enjoyed my time here. And hopefully we can keep it going. And I can stay here for a few more years. But uh, that's been kind of my coaching tree. Um, and uh, But it's been great. And I've had a lot of great people in my life and people that have been very influential in my life. Yeah, you mentioned you know, being at Minnesota Duluth. You know, I'm a, a, a Division II football player as well. Um, and I remember just when I was playing, you know, when you, you kind of start looking at the regions when it gets playoff time. and Unfortunately, there were only about two seasons where we even had a shot at making the playoffs, and we didn't. We blew it. But always seeing Minnesota Duluth up there, um, they play a little hockey up there too. So yeah, they, they yeah, got they it. Uh, they got it going on uh, as far as athletic programs. And then to make the jump from there to now North Dakota State, you mentioned when you got there, they were uh, a three-win team. So, and this is where we're going to kind of start our conversation. I just talked about the culture that you guys have at North Dakota State. How did you guys or how were you able to to turn it around? Because like you said, that's a that was a program that even back when they were playing division two, they, yeah. they always won, you know, always um, you know, were successful. So what was key and, and what were some things that you did to kind of lay that foundation and flip things around? Yeah, again, that's that's the million dollar question, you know. And if if I had a dollar for every person that asked me that question, boy, I'd be a rich guy, you know. And I, I don't know if there's there, there's there's certainly not one thing. I mean, and there's many things that go into it, okay, uh, that that have allowed us to be successful. And you know, I, I think one thing is is the style we play. You know, um, it's something we talk a ton about in our program is is iron sharpens iron, and um, our offense is tough, physical. Our old line is big, nasty. Uh, we run the ball. We run power. We run a ton of different zone schemes, gap schemes. Um, but that makes us better as a D-line. Like we, we, and I preach this to our guys every day, like we are going against the best old line, certainly at the FCS level. I, I would I would argue many times at the FBS level. I mean, they they do a great job of running the football or, or running the ball and big fullbacks and big tailbacks. And you know, I, I want to believe our offense is the same thing about us. Like like, hey, we're going against the best D line in the country. You know, we got to come to we got to become ready to play every single practice. So we practice hard. I mean, we, we go against each other uh, every single day. Uh, when I got here, Coach Bull uh, was was doing the double rep and. The double rep was something, and when I got here, I'm like, what are we doing? Um, well, what double rep is, is every single team period, you know, we got we got two, two, two sessions going on at the same time. So we kind of got our ones and twos down at one end of the field, and we got our threes and fours down at the other end of the field. And they're running, you know, both sides are running the same plays. We're running the same defense, but it's really, it allows our kids to get a ton of reps. You know, w- when I go watch other college football programs and, and, and I see 22 guys out there running a play. And then I look on the sidelines and I see 84 guys sitting on the sidelines. Th- th- that frustrates me a little bit. Now, again, every program's different. Every program runs a different way. But, but it, it's, it's, it's a reason we're able to develop depth. It's a reason we're able to develop our players. Um, is it hard? Heck, yeah, it's hard. And do we get guys banged up? We certainly do. And at, at times that, that happens. 
But I think we've found through the way we practice with those double reps, it's, it's developing depth, it's developing toughness, uh, and, our, and it's getting our kids ready to go. So I think double reps is a big thing. You know, we, we practice hard. I mean, on defense, we are preaching to our guys about running to the football and playing with unbelievable effort, um, you know, and just playing 100 miles an hour for each other. You know, you're not playing for the coaches. You're playing for each other. You're playing for the program. You're playing for that for for Bison Nation is, is what you're doing. So, you know, we, we really focus on that. Um, you know, we try not to beat ourselves at NDSU. You know, we, we, we're really hard on our guys about having stupid penalties. We're really hard on our guys about personal fouls. I mean, we try to be really sound in everything we do. We're going to be physical. We're going to be physical on offense. We're going to be physical on defense. And we're going to be physical on special teams. We, it's something we just preach to our guys, you know, nonstop. So I think, I think that allows us to be successful and, and have the culture that, that we want to have here is just trying to continue to establish that physicality on all sides of the ball. You know, the things that we talk about, go on, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, what I was going to say is just, okay, so from being an outside observer, you know, watching, uh, we talked, you know, in the conversation leading up to this, um, you know, I'm, I'm from Huntsville, Texas, home of Sam Houston State, watched those games where, where you, know, you guys would, would, would meet up and play. And um, I, I think you, you hit on it already, but one thing that if I were to just to boil what I, what I think of when I think of North Dakota State football, it would be that physical, like mm-hmm. on offense, defense. Those those guys are physical. How how do you how do you do you, you recruit that? Is that something? I mean, you talked about you emphasize it, but how is that how is that um, emphasized and implemented in every aspect of of your team? Yeah, it's it's a combination of what you talked about. I mean, it starts with recruiting. Like you got to find the right kids, you know. And and you know, we we are going to look and and. I, the one thing I, I love about our staff is we're not going to get caught up in, is this kid a three-star? Is this kid a four-star? You know, how many offers does this kid have? You know, who is he getting recruited by? Those are the things that we talk about a whole lot. We, we say, does this, does this kid fit our culture? Is this kid what we want at NDSU? And if that kid shows that he is tough, that he plays really hard, that he's a good person, you know, that, you know, we, I want to believe, and we'll probably hit on some recruiting stuff later, but I think our staff works as hard at recruiting as anybody in the country, but, but, but we work at it. You know, we're, we're in our cars and we're driving seven hours to the state of Wisconsin to go meet with a guidance counselor to get his transcripts and ask the janitor in the hall, Hey, is this a good kid? Is this, is this a good person? Is this kid work hard? You know, we're, we're in the Midwest. We, we find a lot of Midwestern kids that are farm kids that, um, you, you know, are probably getting overlooked. Um, we love finding kids that are multi-sport kids that, you know, maybe playing basketball, maybe throwing shot, maybe, uh, you know, out on, you know, running on the, on the, running at a track meet. Um, we're trying to find those tough, hard-nosed kids through recruiting. You know, I, I think that's the number one thing is you got to find those kids that fit our culture. And then when you get here, we don't baby those kids. You know, we, we push them hard and, and it starts with our strength staff, you know, Co- coach Kramer, uh, has been here 15 plus years, and and I'd be the first to tell you, he he's the main reason that we have the success that we have, you know, here at NDSU. And uh, he works those kids hard. He pushes those kids. You know, w- we break them down. And uh, at some point, there, there's going to be a few kids that hang it up, and there's going to be a few kids that look themselves in the mirror and just say, "Boy, I don't know if I can do this." But the kids that stay strong, the kids that battle through it, the kids that make it through our summer workouts. 
are the kids that are going to be our best players in the fourth quarter. And, uh, and that's the way Coach Kramer develops those kids and works with those kids. And then again, it's, it's, it's the way we practice. You know, it's, it's, man, it's double reps. It's every day. Um, those, those, you come here as a freshman, I promise you, you are not going to call home and say, you know, mom and dad, I'm not getting any reps. I, I can't show what I can that's not happening at NDSU. Those kids are getting just as many reps as our as our older guys are, and and we're able to develop that, that toughness. And and uh, you know, I, I want to see what a kid does on period number twenty four on the seventieth rep of the day, and see what that kid does when the going gets tough, and when that kid battles through and is able to execute or communicate a call or a check those are the type of kids that are going to help us win football games on Saturday. So it kind of, all of those things kind of come together and, and, uh, um, and help us and, and, and work to uh, allow us to develop that culture and, and develop that mentality. So where this question is coming from is I, I listened to our, our head coach in our meetings uh, last, this past week played a little bit of a, um, actually I talked about hockey earlier, hockey coach for UMass was talking about the culture of his team. They were the worst team in, in college hockey a few years ago and then uh, turned it around and actually beat Minnesota Duluth for a national championship. Um, and, and so I think one of the things he talked about was, was so important for them was clarity of vision and unity and purpose. Like everybody knew what, the, what we were trying to do and everybody in their, stat, you know, in their program could talk about, hey, here are our core values. Here's, here's what we stand for. And so when everybody knew that, now everybody is freed up to go and play. I, and I'm, I'm assuming you have that there and you're, we're already kind of touching on it, but what would you say that is for you guys at North Dakota state? You know, it's, I know it's toughness, but like, are there other things that you like core values or standards that you, that you have for your guys? Yeah. I mean, there's things that we talk about. I, you know, you're not going to walk into our facility and say, Hey, these are the 10 core values or anything like that. I mean, every year our seniors come up with our goals and, and what we're trying to achieve. And, all of the number one thing is we're, we're going to try to win our conference. I mean, that, that is our number one goal. Whatever it takes, we are going to try to win our conference. And that's our number one goal. And whatever happens after that, you know, we'll, we'll set those new set of goals, you know, once we win that, that conference. But, you know, I, I think something that we, and I, I'm kind of maybe bouncing around here a little bit, but, you know, one thing that we talk a lot about our kids is, 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 is pressure versus stress. You know, pressure versus stress. You know, at NDSU, there's pressure. <laughs> you know, I mean, if we lose three games, people want us fired. You know, if, if, uh, if we lose a game against whoever, they're going to want a new starting quarterback in there. I mean, there, there's pressure to win at NDSU. Um, and that's okay. That's, that's the way you want it. We want to go to a place. We want kids to come to our place that have a little bit of pressure on them. Um, and that's all right. It, it, we try to instill in our kids, like, if, 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 if you're ready for the moment, that pressure won't affect you and you'll be okay. If you're not ready for that moment, it gets stressful. And that's when kids break. That's when kids struggle. So we try to embrace the pressure versus stress. We, we, it's all right to have some pressure on you. It's all right to have some pressure to make the right move or do the right thing. It's okay because we've repped it. We've worked on it. So we work a two-minute drill, you know, all throughout camp. We work a two-minute game, uh, drill every single week. And then when you got to go 70 yards, in a minute 30 against Iowa to win, our kids are like, yeah, it's pressure. But guys, we've done this before. Let's go out there and rip it and let's go out there and do it. And, and that's what we try to instill in our guys. 
I, I think, you know, the thing that we try to do too, is we got, we try to humble our kids too a little bit. Like we talked about the success that we've had at NDSU, but it's also our job to humble these kids a little bit, you know? And, and one thing that I really like doing when the season is over is, is, and I know a lot of our defensive coaches do this. We make a get better tape. We try to find 15, 10, 15 clips of some of our starters and be able to show those guys and, Guys, that's not very good right there. You know, I mean, we can get better rushing the passer. We can do a better job of playing a playing a switch block. We can do a better job of um, spilling power. You know, we're trying to find some things to humble our kids a little bit. Now, on the other side of it, I'm also going to show them five clips of man. That's really dang good right there. You you keep doing this, you're going to be all confident. You're going to be an all American type of guy. So I think that's a good way for us to, to continue to humble our guys and continue to have something for them to work on. Um, and, and I think the, the, the last thing that we try to continue to ins- you know, ins- talk about within our program, is, and this is something I got from Coach Bull. Coach Bull used to say this all the time. He said, you're either green and growing or you're ripe and dying. You know, how can you continue to improve on your pass rush ability, your first step, your hand placement, your pad level? You know, if, if you're not looking to improve those things, and that's the same thing as a coach. Like, again, I, I want to think what we've done since day one at NDSU is the same thing we do now, but we all know that's not the case. And we we're seeing different offensive play, our plays, our offense is doing different things. You know, you've got to be able to adjust. And, and I think that's something that we continue to challenge our coaches, challenge our players, challenge our support staff. Like, how can we continue to get better and continue to stay on top as best we can? Because soon as you slow down, soon as you get complacent, closing complacent, that's when you're going to get knocked off, and that's when that next team is going to rise above you. Yeah, and that kind of leads us into our next question. You talked about showing those guys some of those cut-ups at the end of the season of ways they can get better. I think that's a great idea. With, the, with as much success of, of you, as you guys have had, how do you keep your guys on edge and keep them from growing complacent? Yeah, that's again. That, that's that's the hard thing. And again, I, I would say again, probably the 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 number one person that that nips this in the bud right right away is our strength staff. And uh, um, you know, when we come back from that championship game, um, Coach Kramer doesn't let anybody walk into that weight room with any sort of championship T-shirt, championship ring, champion nothing. You know, it's it's a new year, it's a new season, it's a new team. Um, and, and what happened last year is not what's going to happen this year. And we, we, we try to do the same thing as a coaching staff. We are turning the page guys, no matter, you know, whatever happened last year, that's in the past. We need to move on to this year. And I think, again, I just kind of going back that those get better tapes of what helped me on the defensive front, like guys, as, as well as you maybe thought you played this, this past year, here's 10 clips where that's not very good. And those are things that we got to get better at. We got to improve on. We got to develop and get better at those things. And, you know, if it's, if it's watching film with me, if it's watching film on your own, if it's getting out on the practice field and just getting a couple extra reps with one of your teammates or maybe with the offensive lineman, how can we get better at these few things uh, to be a better team next year? And, and we as a coaching staff, how can we, you know, go visit some other coaching staff and figure out how to defend a, uh, read zone, how to defenders, some power read. I mean, we, we got to continue to grow, continue to get better. Uh, but complacency is something that that there's no doubt, something that we always focus on, something that we always talk about, um, and we just continue to try to install instill in our guys. It's it's a new year, it's a new team. Um, we need to start over from ground zero. So if if I were to spend a week just shadowing you, so I, I come up there and let's say we'll say it's in season. Uh, so I'm just walking around. I'm a, I'm a fly on the wall. 
Uh, what would be some things that I would see from you know, your, your coaches and your coaching staff, support staff, and all the players that reflect all these things that we're talking about, toughness and, you know, putting things behind us and focusing on the task at hand? And maybe what would be some things that I might notice, like how you approach practice or how you approach film study, just little things that maybe you don't think about since you've been there 13 years. Uh, I'll give you an example of one. Uh, my brother, who's not in coaching, uh, came and just spent the day with me here um, just because he had he was kind of coming through the area. So he's like, hey, I'm going to hang out. So he was just kind of hanging around. It. He actually came to our middle school. And um, our kids do this at both at middle school and high school. When the bell rings and it's time for them to come to athletics, they, they run from their class to, to, to uh, the field house. Like they, they, that's the expectation. They run in there, they get, they get dressed, and then they get to their spot where we, we check roll, tell them what we're doing that day, and then boom, we're moving on with what we're doing, whether it be in the weight room or outside. And that's something I don't even think about. You know, the rest of us coach, like, we don't even think about that. But for him, he brought that up, and he was like, How, why do y'all do that? How did y'all get them to do that? And I said, like, oh, yeah, that's just something. That's just a standard we set. Yeah. So – I guess what would be some of those things where I'm like, Hey, how do you, and, and you may, you may not even think about it or think of it as a big deal. Yeah. It, again, it's hard when you're here for 13 years, it's, it's some things get to be routine. And sometimes you, I, I get into that mindset of what do other people do and how do other people do it? I, I think that there, there's one thing that really stands, stands out in my mind. And I've had other people say it to me because they come and watch our practices. They come see us practice. And, and sometimes I don't notice it. Um, it's, it's the way our older kids coach the young kids it is, is I just think there's something is so special about NDSU. When we go out to the practice field and uh, we're working a technique or say we got, a, we're in a team setting and uh, you know, we got a young defensive end out there that's, that's playing six technique for the first or second time. And, you know, all of a sudden he gets kicked out on power, which we're, we're trying to spill. A lot of times I'll start making my way over there and I'll see a senior run out there in front of me. And that senior will go out there and talk to that young man. He's not going to yell at him. He's not going to, he's going to coach him. And I, I think that's something that is so special about this place is the way our older kids embrace what the younger kids are doing. Yeah. There's going to be times where those older guys are going to get on them and, and, and ride them a little bit, especially if those young kids aren't playing with effort. Um, but if they're playing with effort and, and they mess up a technique or a call or something like that, it, it, it's the way those older kids go out there and coach those kids. And, and when you ask, when you ask that older kid, Hey, why are you doing that? He'll say, well, that's the way they did it before, you know, when I was a freshman. And I think that is just, that's something about our program that is really unique. Um, we hold each other accountable. Uh, those older kids coach those young guys because they know at some point, one of these young kids we're going to have to depend on um, in, in the matter of a, of a big football game. So, um, and, and I think that's, that's in a lot of things we do. That's, you know, in the weight room, uh, certainly in the practice field, even in the meeting room, you know, there'll be times I'll be sitting there and talking about a technique and, and uh, you know, our senior defense vandal say, Hey coach, can I have the remote? Heck yeah, you can have the remote. And he talks through the technique with one of the young kids and, and maybe words in a way different way than I would have presented. And, the, and those young kids are able to understand that, you know, and I think that's something I, that, that is really different about this program and, and something that I probably don't think about all the time, but uh, I know other people have mentioned it to me. Yeah, that's a sign of a, a really healthy culture when it's player-led, right? I mean, that's, that's when it really takes off, when it's not the coaches driving everything. And that's one thing, some of the things I try to get my guys on now, like, hey, you're, this is, you know, I coach linebackers. Hey, this isn't my position group. Like, this is our position group. So 
you're a senior and you see a, a junior kid or a sophomore kid, whatever, messing up, like you go talk to him. Like, you know what it's supposed to look like. Go, go talk to him before, you know, and, and if I have to say something, I will, but like, let's, and then if you, or if you see a kid walking back to the end of a rep line, like you get on him, you know, like yep. you ought to say something before I will, before I, before I do, because this is, you have to take some ownership in this and this is, you know, our position group and our defense. And I think that's, that's really, really powerful. And, and the, probably the best thing you said there was when the kids said, well, that's what the seniors did for me. And then, then yep. it just keeps it going and it continues and it becomes how you do things. Right. And sometimes, I, you know, sometimes as a coach, you have to facilitate it a little bit, you know, and, and I'll hate to hey, older guys, you know, go, go take the young guys today and hey, just go watch read zone, how to play cut to keep in our defense or hey, you know, today in the weight room, hey, you take those young guys and you go teach those guys. And, you know, I, again, in college football, you, you, you get some guys that are banged up. I mean, Spencer Wagey, one of our starting defensive ends um, last year, tore his ACL third game of the year. And you know who our best coach was throughout the whole season <laughs> was Spencer Wagey. He he had a script. I gave him I, every day I came out to practice. I'd give him a script, and he would go down there and he said, "Hey, coach, you want me to go with the young guys today or the older guys?" And hey, go with the young guys today. He'd go down there and he would coach those kids up. And and uh, it, I mean, it, it it was just awesome to have another set of eyes, another set of guys. You know, obviously I'd love him to be out there playing, but man, he he took that coaching responsibility and did an awesome job with those young guys. And and. Uh, um, yeah, it's, it's, it, we're very fortunate to have those type of kids. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt for sure. And, and that, that makes it more fun too. And especially when those older guys, you talked about how, you know, they can kind of put it in their own language or put it in different, you know, they can, they can relate to those younger guys better than we can a lot of times, but it's also really cool when you hear your players using the same language that the coaching staff is using as far as for your standards and, and how we're going to do things. You know, that's a really cool thing because now they, you know, they, they bought into it so much that they believe in it so much that they're now instilling that in the, the younger guys coming up. And so that, that's, that's really cool as well. Um, we're now we're going to move into talking some defensive line. And you've already, you, you've referenced some, you know, defending the run and, and, and playing the run. And that's what we're going to talk about mostly tonight. Uh, but before we jump into that stuff, just introduce us to your defensive front, meaning what, what kind of front are you running? What techniques are you guys playing? Uh, things like that. Yeah, I mean, since, since I came to NDSU, our defense has been our defense, and, and we still have a lot of the same plays, calls, fronts, movements that that we've had since day one. Certainly, we've had to adjust and change how we you know taught some of the techniques and things like that. But we're a four three defense. You know, we're gonna, we're going to play with four hands in the dirt. Um, you know, we're, we're a Tampa two. We're going to play a ton of cover two. We're going to play some quarters. Uh, we're going to play some. Uh, uh, Rip Liz match. We're going to play. We're going to run some pressures. We're going to play a little bit of hot. And we're going to have some zero. But we, we, we're a firm believer. We're not going to reinvent the wheel. What we do is what we do, and uh, uh, we play with good old fashioned six technique. We play with a three technique. We play with a nose that's going to play some shade or some tilt technique at times. Uh, we're going to be heavy handed. We're going to be physical, and uh, our, our number one job is we're going to stop the run and, and get people into some pass rush situations so we can we can tee off and go. Uh, on third down, we'll get you know some exotic stuff every once in a while. We'll get some three down looks and, and do some different pressures just to keep people guessing on what we're doing. But um, a lot of people look at us and say, "Boy, these guys are kind of boring," you know. But um, it's what our kids believe in. Uh, they 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 understand the strengths and the weaknesses of our defense. They know how to play our techniques, and, and I want to believe we're darn physical at it, and we do a great job of playing really, really hard. And uh, we're, we've been able to win a lot of football games because of it. 
just really quick kind of walk us through all right, here, here's what our six technique is doing. Here's kind of the things we're telling him. Your, your six, your three, your nose, and then your your open side in there. Yeah, you know, our, our six technique is, is is we're reading the tight end. We're a C-gap player. Uh, we are getting off the football, and we're trying to knock that son of a gun in the backfield. And, uh, you know, we, we are, when I first got here, we were probably a little bit more lateral on our movements, like as a six technique, you know, when I first got here, it's like, you cannot get cut out of the C gap. You cannot get cut out of the C gap. Well, we're probably a little bit more vertical in some of our penetration. Now, now we're trying to knock people off that line of scrimmage, either playing the C gap by getting our body in it or sticking our tight end in the gap. So um, we're, we're going to be a little bit more knocked back at that position, but we read our tight end. Uh, we're real balanced in our stance, a little bit wider in our stance, but we are playing physical into the tight end, trying to knock him, choke him out and, and get some knockback on that tight end. Now, We'll get kicked out in power and stuff like that, especially our offense who runs a ton of A-gap power and is arcing the tight end and kicking us out with the fullback. We get a lot of that from our offense. Um, but, again, we don't see as much of that throughout the season. So um, we're, we're trying to knock him off the last scrimmage and, and play pretty, pretty physical football at our six technique. You know, our three techniques, you know, on, on base downs, uh, we're reading our guards. We're playing our guards. Uh, we're, we're probably a little bit different than a lot of teams um, we're a little bit more, I hate using this word, but it's a little bit more read and react as our interior guys. You know, if, if our, if we're reading our guard and our guard steps flat, we're going to step flat and cover them up and try to really take on one guy. I know a lot of guys are going to step, you know, vertical step, vertical step, you know, you know, getting in the crack and pushing vertical Well, we're a little bit more lateral and covering people up at the defensive tackle position on base downs. Uh, once we get to a pass rush mentality, obviously all that stuff goes out the window. But uh, trying to find a pretty darn dynamic three technique. We got a pretty darn good one right now. A kid that can, you know, obviously take on a lot of, um, win a lot of one on one blocks, good pass rusher, kid that's pretty dynamic. We move him quite a bit. Our nose is a little bit bigger body, you know, as most noses are. Um, you know, our, our, our noses in our system, about 285, 290 pound kids. I mean, we're, we're not huge on the front, um, but we really rely on playing with great technique. Um, it, it, certainly in the run game, but we play some shade, we play some tilt, uh, and then we we play a lot of two eye technique too, um, and then you know five technique on the backside uh, with our defensive ends. But you know, like I said, like people think we're a little bit boring, and and I I, I give a lot of D line coaches credit that can go out there and teach you know coach up a four three on one rep and then a three four on the next rep and. Uh, that's not the bison. We're going to line up and be four three and, and and try to be darn pretty darn physical in the run game. Are you are you are you flipping your ends? Are they are they, you know, like if you're getting, um, you know, ten personnel stuff or if, if tight end off the ball? Like, are you flipping those? You flipping those DNs and and your interior guys? We're not. We our, our DNs play right and left. Our interior guys do flip though. You know, I, I still am a firm believer that the the blocks that a three technique see are different than the blocks that a nose tackle sees. Um, now, in this day and age, with as much tempo as we're getting, there's certainly some weeks where you're like, guys, we can't. You're, you're playing right, we're playing left, we're getting aligned, you know, and, and we're going to get lined up and we're going to go. But base, you know, install day one, um, defensive ends play right and left, and our interior guys truly flip sides. If the tight end trades, we truly flip all around and, and, and switch our front, which I know a lot of people aren't doing, but it's, it's still the way we're, we're doing it here at NDSU. How do you set your front? Are you trying to set your three technique, you know, to where, where they're running the ball or, and then, you know, is it to the tight end, to the offensive strength, to the field? 
Yeah. And again, you know, every defense a little bit different. Um, you know, if we're typically facing a eye back team, you know, we're, we're going to set our three technique to the tight end surface or to the strength surface. Um, if we are playing a team that's run a little bit more read zone and reading our DNs, a lot of times we're going to try to set our three technique to the back just to help that D end out a little bit, and make it a little bit longer edge. So it, it just kind of depends on, on what we're seeing and what we're defending. Uh, but for the most part, our three technique is going to go to that tight end surface. Uh, so do you guys, are you, are you, are you incorporating a lot of slants and twist games with your fronts to defend the run? Or are you staying, staying put, doing any kind of stemming, anything like that? Yeah, you know, we're not a big stem team. I, I would say majority of the time we're going to line up in our over front and, and we're going to have some, some basic movements out of it. Um, we're going to move the three technique. We're going to slant the three and slant the D end with our old pirate movement. Uh, you know, we're going to, you know, on the bubble side, on that five technique, we'll take some inside moves on that guy. Again, just kind of depending on, on what we're seeing. We don't have a lot of three-man movements in the run game or certainly four-man movements. We don't do a lot of that with just in a base call in the base run game. We might just have some subtle movements with the three technique or, you know, some uh, – quick movement by the nose, cross and face. I mean, we'll do some subtle movements like that. But um, for, again, for the most part, NDSU is going to line up. We're going to know what's coming and, and we're going to be pretty darn physical and try to knock people off that line of scrimmage. Now I'm a firm believer. I, I, I don't think you can just be stagnant all the time either. I like, I don't want guys just teeing off, teeing off, teeing off. Like you got to have some, you got to incorporate some movement to get those guys moving a little bit, especially when, when at times you will, you might be a little bit undersized and, you know, we're going to be playing a lot of reps this year with our three technique being about 265 pounds. I mean, he's, he's smaller compared to a lot of the old lines that we're going to be facing. But um, if you can move him a little bit, slant him and, and, and get him going, I think he's got a chance to make some big plays in the backfield too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things when I was coaching the 4-3 that we, we didn't allow our uh, nose to do was cross face. Are you, you guys allowing him to cross face like when he's getting a block back from the center? to add himself to like, you know, like to a power to the strong side or what's his rule there? Again, it really depends on what we're seeing. Like, you know, against our offense who runs a gap power. If I started doing that, we'd have that running back running right, right down our front side and we, I'd be getting yelled at. So against our offense, we're not going to do that a whole lot. Now, we face some teams that are a little bit more C-gap power or like some counter plays, you know, things like that. Then I'll let those guys have a little bit of freedom in doing some of that stuff. But it's all stuff we'll practice and game plan. Or if we have some, you know, if we know, hey, this backfield set with this look, we know power's coming. We might have a, a call up front of, you know, DN cover me or three technique cover me or, you know, things like that to try to take advantage of those certain looks so our guys can go, go make some plays in the backfield. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What about uh, coaching double teams? You know, everybody kind of has their own little flavor or spin on that. How are you coaching up playing double teams with your interior guys? Yeah, you know, um, I always think like a double team for the nose is a little bit different than what a double team for a three technique would see. You know, those, those noses that are playing the shade, that are playing the one technique are going to get true double team. Man, guys coming together, trying to knock their, you know, knock their butts out of there. Um, when, when we get the double team as the nose, we're going to, we're going to throw our hip in that gap and we're going to immediately try to throw our hip in that gap, push, push the guy that we are keying down and try to split vertical on that double team, if that makes sense. So we're trying to hold, throw our hip into that, that second guy trying to double us and, and try to work vertical through that gap as a three technique, you know, we see a lot more, you know, zone combinations. We don't see as many teams coming straight together 
honest as a three technique, truly double team. And so I don't work that a whole lot with those guys. Uh, with the three techniques, we're going to do a lot more of stepping on top, like we talked about a little while ago. We're going to step on top of that guard, and we're going to be really physical on that guard as that, as that zone combination is working. We're going to take on one guy. We're going to cover him up. And when that B gap would open up by either that tackle climbing or, or whatever, then we're going to push ourselves back to that gap. So again, it's, it's just a, it's a little bit more of a read and react with our, with our interior guys. And I hate using that term with our guys because I don't want them to be slow, but that first step and their first movement is going to be predicated off of what that guard does. Yeah, that's a great point. I talked about just the, the different types of doubles that your noses and your three techs face because you know if d-line coaches you're working pods a lot right like where you're working you know maybe you know two on one and and, and kind of working on this stuff and that that was one thing um that i would always find my three techs would end up doing is they would want to anchor in on that on that zone double as if yep. it were like a a double that a nose guard is getting you know just like a, yep. like like we're coming off they're running iso at us or whatever and so then they they're flipping their hips and then they're just getting gap removed and on a yep. zone and it's like, hey, you can, you can't do that. I know you just saw this nose do that, and you heard me. Like, it's like two different two yep. different things here. And but, but the tricky thing is, is kind of like what you alluded to. But when you get those guys playing both positions, yeah. they have to remember, okay, now I'm a three tech. I can't sit in here and anchor down in this thing. I got to be able to move with it. And, that, and that's what like people sometimes think we're crazy because we still play with a three technique and still play with a nose. Again, those blocks are different, and how you take those blocks on are different. And I still, to, to maximize what we're able to do up front, I want those three techniques just focusing on those blocks they're going to see as a three technique. They're not going to see as many of those double teams. As a nose tackle, as a shade, heck yeah, you're going to see a lot of those things. And we got to be able to play those things a little bit different. And, and that, you know, we talked before, Coach, Coach Brett Watson is, is, is working with us here on, on the defensive line at NDSU. And, one thing that, that since I've been here, we've been very fortunate to always have two D-line coaches. And, and I just, I, I, I'm a firm believer um, to maximize what you're doing on the front, to have two guys that can be coaching those positions. Because what you see as a DN and what you see as a D-tackle or, or vice versa are different blocks. How we play those guys, how we maximize their ability. I don't know. I, I give the guys a lot of credit that coach the whole front and do all that stuff, but I think those positions are quite different. And, and Coach Watson has done a phenomenal job uh, helping me on the D line. Yeah, it really is tough. I mean, it, you're right. I, I've uh, there have been years where I've had to do it kind of all by myself, and you you kind of on, on a on a pride, you know, your pride is like, yeah, I can do this. But then you get <laughs> out there, and there's so much to teach and coach and watch. You got to have that other person, especially obviously running the four down front. Um, so we've we've talked about a little bit about you know I was talking about you know, working pods and things like that. What are some of just and, and I've seen some of your drill tapes uh, on YouTube and I'll have links to those in the show notes. But what are some of your favorite everyday drills to 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 use to kind of help and reinforce playing the run, defending the run? Yeah, and and just going back real real quickly, one one other great advantage we have at MDSU too is is our head coach is a D line guy. And our D coordinator is a D line guy. So if I'm ever working any special teams or I got any downtime, I'll be like, hey, Coach Hans, you mind taking the D tackles and working a little, you know, zone switch blocks? He'll be like, heck yeah, I'll go over there and work those guys. So I'm very fortunate on this staff that we got a bunch of D line guys that help me out and, and hopefully maximize what those kids are able to do. Going back to your question, uh, everyday drills, you know, um, you know, every day, you know, we're going to always work a, a get off drill to start. And, you know, 
kind of a warm up slash, hey, get our rear end going for practice. And now we're going to do a get off drill where we're going to be hard counting, snapping the ball, getting those guys firing off that line of scrimmage. You know, usually start nice and easy right away, and then obviously working up to some full speed stuff. You know, we're always in our get off stuff. We're always going to incorporate some movements. Um, we're going to you know, line up in our over front and we might be running a movement to the bubble or we might be running a pressure where, hey, we're not only incorporating our movement or our get-off stuff, but we're incorporating movement into it. So we're always going to do some get-off stuff. And then certainly the last couple of reps, we are going 100 miles an hour, pass rush stance, might be working some twists, might be working some games, whatever it might be, but getting off that line of scrimmage. And and we'll do different things to change it up. You know, we'll, we'll race some days where the loser's got to do 10 push-ups or, you know, sometimes we throw some tennis balls out there where they got to have a little bit of eye-hand coordination of getting off the ball, picking up a tennis ball and going. I mean, just different variations off our get-off uh, getting those guys warmed up. So that's something we're going to do every day. The other thing we're going to do every day is some sort of line drill. Uh, again, playing D-line, it's all about reacting, turning and running, and taking proper angles. Um, so it's, you know, it's the old Marinelli, you know, getting off the ball and, and uh, reacting off a point of a coach or a screen or a draw. Um, we're going to have those kids react and taking sharp cuts, sharp angles, uh, reacting to, to where we want that to go. Do you need me? Uh, are we good on kind of a get like kind of a line drill? Yeah. So I, and that's something we're going to do every day, you know, and, and that's, and that's probably the extent of every single day drills that we're going to do together as a D tackle and a D end. After we do those couple drills, now I'm not saying every day, but after those drills, we're going to separate. And now we're going to do our individual drills as, as a D end. We're going to work some read zone cut to keep, uh, we're going to work our techniques off the run, maybe work some, some movement stuff. You know, I still, I, I still like banging the sled a little bit. I, guys that have heavy hands that are able to take on blocks are guys that are going to be able to play for us in the run game. So we're going to bang some sleds at times. We're going to hit some of that stuff. But something that I'm, I'm a firm believer is, is every day we're going to do something to work our hands. We're going to do something to work our feet. And we're going to do something to emphasize pad level. You know, th those are three things that I'm going to try to do every day with our defensive line. And, uh, um, you know, just hand drills is maybe just, maybe it's hitting a sled. You know, something I do a lot with my, and you probably saw some of our, our drill stuff is, is I take a med ball and I have those guys get in the stance and I'm firing this med ball as hard as I can at their face mask. And I want those guys reacting and, and playing with their hands and, and getting their hands out in front of them to play a run block. I, I think that, you know, high school kids, I don't think are always taught that they come to college and they don't know how to play with their hands. You know, I mean, people are still doing some shoulder blocking and stuff like that, but getting our kids to play with their hands, getting their, getting our kids to move their feet. You know, young players, a lot of times are going to make contact and their feet stop. You know, as a D lineman, you better have active feet. You got to be moving your feet to be able to get off blocks and defeat blocks, you know, and then, and then certainly playing with great pad level. I mean, we, we spend more time under, our set of shoots than probably anybody in the country. I do a ton of drills under the shoots, getting those kids to, to play with their hips down, playing with their knees bent, you know, playing with their eyes up. You know, th those are things that we're going to work every single day in our individual drills. And then, you know, and then it gets into doing, um, you know, different certain techniques. And, and again, the last thing I'd say is as many drills and techniques and, and things like that we work on the D-line, I'm still, I'm still a firm believer. The best reps you can get are live reps against an opponent. Like, we, 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 you know, myself and Coach Roll, our tight ends coach, you know, probably every third day we do a DN tight end drill, and and we're working cutoff blocks, and they're working, you know, some of their zone blocks and 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 bump reaches and pin and pull, and and 
Um, you know, our interior guys, we, we love going over and, and doing a little, we, we just call it a five on four, you know, or, or a four on two, I should say, where they got, they got five or four old linemen and we got two D tackles and, and they're just hammering on us. But man, it's, it's, it's seeing live reps it's seeing live bullets, you know, one on one pass rush, one on one read blocks. I mean, those are things that we're trying to emphasize every day. And as many drills as you do, I still i am a firm believer the live reps are, are what's going to make you a better football player seeing those live bullets coming at you. No doubt. I think one of the best things that, that we did when I was at my previous school is um, we kind of got in the habit of on, on Tuesdays um, while, while the skill guys were doing pass skill, we would go down with the offensive line. Um, and that was instead of me doing pods with some JV kid, Mm-hmm. You know, or, you know, a third string varsity kid. I'm like, all right, now I got my number one DN going versus our starting guard and tackle. And I'm telling the offensive line coach, I don't care what you tell them. Like, I don't care. It doesn't have to be. Now, if there's a, a specific thing that's unique to that week's opponent, I'll say, hey, can you work this or this? But honestly, I'm like, hey, you tell them. He'd give them the signal and he'd tell them what, what, what kind of block they're doing. And so the, my guy didn't know anything, yep. you know, and. Um, a lot of times we didn't end up getting whipped because they're yep. trying to anticipate, you know, like what's coming instead of just yep. going off. And, and so those were our best reps and, and, uh, because they're trying to beat our guy and we're trying to beat them. And, and so I, yeah, I thought that was really good. And, and I think what you said there about having, okay, every day we're going to do something to work our hands, something to work our feet and work on pad level. I think that's a great way to keep yourself on track because sometimes we can chase all these things that, oh, we need to be doing this. We need to be doing this. I, mean, I saw this online. I saw, I saw some coaches doing this. I think if you can have a, you know, I think I'm, I'm, I really like, like having a drill menu and then, yep. I, I, hey, these are, these are for, you know, to work feet. This is, these are get off drills. These are pad level drills, whatever. And then you can just kind of go through and that keeps practice from being so monotonous because yep. we're still covering the same skills, but maybe it's a little bit different drill. Like you yep. talked about with the get off, like maybe we're yep. incorporating some tennis balls or we're racing or whatever. So I think that's a great way to kind of keep yourself on track. It, it, you know, and, and again, I'm just kind of going off the points you talked about. You know, we when Coach Blazek was here, our former O-line coach that's now at Vanderbilt, every Tuesday, the first thing we would do every Tuesday is a five-on-four or four-on-two, the first thing in practice. And it set the tempo of the practice. It set the tempo of what we were doing that day. And it was really hard on our guys. Again, when, when, when you got four D linemen up there and five old linemen in a tight end, you know, those old linemen ain't worried about climbing to the second level and zone block. And they're teeing off on that three technique. And I don't mind that. I don't mind that. I, I think something that we really preach here and on both sides of the ball at NDSU is we want practice to be hard. We want our scout teams to be hard. And then we go out there on Saturday and a lot of times our guys are going, boy, well, that, that's easy compared to what we saw on Tuesday. That's easy compared to what we saw on Thursday. We, we try to make practices really hard on our guys so when they step in there on Saturday, they can go compete, and, 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 and hopefully it's what we've been working on all week, you know. And, and, I, and I think, you know, going back to some of the drill stuff, you know, our guys, quite honestly, get bored sometimes with the drills that we do. You know, my, my DN menu of, of the drills that I do, there's probably 10 or 12 of them, you know, and, and we do those dang things every day. And at some point, our guys are like, gosh, can we do something else? No, this is what makes us good. This is what we do, you know, and it's being a six technique. It's lining up and knocking people off the line. Now, you know, we'll work some different pass rush moves and change it up and things like that. But uh, to us, it, it all starts with stopping the run. If, if we're not doing a good job stopping the run, I don't care how many pass rush 
great drills you have, that stuff's going to be irrelevant if you can't stop the run. Absolutely. And guys who listen to this podcast have heard me say it, you know, work and pass rush, I would always tell my guys, like, that's like the dessert, you know. We got to <laughs> eat our vegetables first, and we got to get good at stopping the run. Otherwise, we don't get dessert, you know. Like, you, you work hard on first and second down to get that third and long to where everybody in the stadium knows it's a pass, and now we can right. pin our ears back, and we can run our games, or we can, you know, line up out there in lane eight on the track and try to come <laughs> from, you know, from a lot of width. But going back to what you said about going against your offensive line, yeah, that's a great point because uh, our, our three-tech would always get frustrated because, you know, they're running a zone double scheme. Well, the guard, they're not, they're not leaving that double to go to work next level. <laughs> no, and I thought I was going, hey, you're not going to have to hold that double for 10 right. seconds in a game. Right. You right. know, our linebackers should be pulling that off. I mean, they're going to they're come off. But still, it's just good. It's, still, it's good for you. You know, like yep. that's, that's good. You, you got to learn. Um, and, and so I think that that's the, the goal of the drill is not to necessarily win. You know, like you want to see that they're playing with proper technique. They may get beat, but it's like, hey, that's not how it's going to work in the game. It's okay. Um, And and, and also, I think, you know, offensive line guys are critical of uh, pass rush one-on-one drills. I think that's a way it kind of slants the board back in their favor a little bit, throws those guys a bone because uh, they do get the advantage on that one. So, um, well, all right, let's let's talk about this. You've you've talked about you've thrown out some some run schemes that you guys face that you have to deal with that, that I want to talk to you about. Um, one of them that, you, that you've already said is, is um, you, you know, talk about playing read zone and you, you mentioned a term there that I'm not familiar with. I want you to, to flesh out a little bit is cut to keep. Talk about what that means and how you guys are playing zone read, which is a play we see a lot here in Texas and on, on the high school level. Uh, what are some coaching points for your defensive ends uh, on that one? Yeah. You know, again, in this, in this day, college football we're seeing more and more of it all the time people are tempoing and reading our defensive end some way somehow so our our base way of, of playing cut to keep um now again we, we, i talked about it before we're, you know we're going to try to get our three technique um to that defensive end that's playing cut to keep as much as we can we might be moving him we might be slanting him we might just align him in that gap you know we, we always found for those defensive ends if, if they're to a nose tackle or to a bubble side those B gaps get quite big on them real fast. And the more we can hold that edge for those defensive ends, uh, better shape we're going to be. But our cut to keep uh, um, uh, mentality um, or technique um, is number one, we want to make sure we identify where the back is. Uh, the, the, you're not going to be putting that cut to keep mentality or situation uh, for the most part if the back is away from you. Those guys need to identify the back to be in their side. Uh, when they get the, uh, you know, if they're lined up as a six technique and they get an arc or they're lining up as a five technique and, and they're playing a cut to keep, we're going to take one aggressive step off that line and, and we're going to tighten up our alignment a little bit. We're going to understand the back is to our side and there's a good chance they could be reading us. So we'll tighten up our alignment a little bit. We're going to take one aggressive step and then we get into our shuffle or people call it surf technique. I've heard, you know, a lot of different ways, uh, but we're going to, we're going to, we're going to keep our shoulders nice and square. And we're going to we're going to start working our feet in a shuffle mentality down that line of scrimmage. Okay, we are uh, number one responsibility would be the cut, which in our mind is the back to the quarterback pulling it and keeping it. Um, So we're going to make sure the back doesn't have the ball. We don't want to turn our shoulders. We want our shoulders nice and square. Uh, We are trying to get our inside foot forward and our and our outside foot back, so our hips are slightly open. If that makes sense, if if our if we're the opposite and our outside foot is forward and our inside foot is back, 
we feel like our hips are locked. And if that quarterback does pull the ball, we don't feel like we're in a great position to open our hips and chase him down that line of scrimmage. Um, so we're going we're gonna to keep our hips nice and square, inside foot forward. We're going to identify, you know, and we're going to make sure that that running back does not have the ball. Um, once we identify the quarterback has the ball, we are taking a, an extremely flat angle down the line of scrimmage. We are not getting vertical on that guy. We are not at a 45-degree angle. We are chasing him flat down that line. And if we know it's a real athletic quarterback, you know, we're going to be in a lot of too high defenses and have some safety support or maybe have a corner support. If it's a quarterback, we feel okay about it. Uh, then we'll play a little bit more one high uh, where we won't have as much help with some of those things. Um, but our, our, D, our DNs understand coverages uh, for the most part, and they understand where their help is and where they can push it to. And uh, um, our kids have done a pretty good job of it. Yeah, that's, I think that's a, a, a great way of playing that where it's, it's the best of both worlds. You know, I, I've, I've, I've played or I've coached where, you know, the DN's job was take the dive, take the dive, take the dive. Quarterback's going to, I mean, I'm sorry, linebacker's going to take the quarterback. We've done it other ways too, where uh, I'm going to sit and let the linebacker take the dive and the DN take the quarterback. But I think being able to play it that way makes it, can make it tough on the quarterback because he's not really sure. You know, mm -hmm. it, it cloudies his read for him. When you do, when you automatically, you're screaming down the line, taking that dive, it's an easy read for him. Um, and, you know, sometimes just, I guess, depending on who you're playing, that can be a good thing. If you want that quarterback pulling it, you know, we don't want that right. running back getting the ball, right. which I think is, which I think is helpful to have different ways of playing that. But anyway, I think that's the best way. That's our base way of playing things is you're going to slow shuffle, make that quarterback have to make a decision and, and kind of muddy his read for him. Um, and then be really late getting out on that quarterback right. because, you know, we don't want to jump out there and be on his outside hip and now he right. can stick his foot in the ground and get vertical. So I think right. that's, that's right. huge. Uh, yeah. Again, we, we have, in my 10 years here, just like you said, we, we've tried them all. I mean, we've chased the dive. We've high-pointed the quarterback. We've high-pointed the quarterback and then chased the dive. You know, I mean, we, we've tried a lot of different things. And, and I think to a certain extent, it's, it's a little bit game plan. Like you said, if it's, a, if it's a quarterback that we don't want carrying the ball, um, you know, we, we might do some more chasing the quarterback and run into the quarterback. If it's a, if it's a guy that, uh, man, let's have the quarterback carry the ball. Let's, let's run some chase and, and, you know, we'll find different ways to do it. And, and a lot of times the way we change it up is through some of our pressures. You know, if, if we want to, if we want to run something different, well, let's tell that DN, Hey, let's go, let's go high point that thing, go hit the quarterback. But, um, our, our cut to keep thought process and, and, uh, technique is, is what we install all throughout fall camp. And, and what we're going to do is you watch our film, what we're going to do majority of the time. But uh, again, always trying to find ways to change it up. And, and I, again, you can't be just a sitting target or doing the same thing all the time because people are good enough coaches. They'll expose you. Absolutely. We, you guys, you talked about how you see a lot of a gap power against your offense, uh, you know, and playing in spring ball and fall camp, I'm sure, uh, you know, with, with arc releases and arc, arc blocks suck as a defensive end, especially <laughs> when you're, you just talked about you're trying to be aggressive and trying to get knocked back. And then they use that aggression against you and get you to chase something or, um, but how are you guys playing power? And um, I, I, I would, I, well, I'll, I'll just say first, how do you guys play it against your own offense? Because you know, a gap power. That's a tough. That's a tough thing to stop and to defend. So, how do you do that when you're playing those guys or scrimmaging those guys? 
yeah, it's it's a bear. It, it's it's good for us though. Like I again, I go back. I I love seeing the hardest stuff in practice because then you guys we get to a game and you're like, gosh, we've seen this all the time. This is easy, and our offense prepares us for great stuff. I mean, Coach Roll does a phenomenal job going, you know, under center twenty two personnel to you know empty twenty two personnel to you know zero two personnel running the quarterback. I mean, they they just they make us prepare on defense for a lot of different things. Yeah, uh, defending a gap power. It's not an it's not an easy deal, and uh, but our kids are pretty locked into the sets, the techniques, the splits, the call. Um, uh, we spend a lot of time going through those different things. You know, a gap power is not coming out of anything other than I backs for the most part. So our D our DNs are going to identify when it's I backs, and they're going to know who's in there at fullback. If it's a, a two hundred and forty pound fullback, that's a, a, a guy that's going to kick out power, our guys know it. Or is it going to be a, you know, a second tight end in there, at the, you know, lining up on fullback where now they're running power pass or something like that. I mean, those are things that we're going to try to identify. Even all that stuff happening, we're still not always going to know when power's coming. Um, but because our offense runs it so much, um, our kids, you know, see the flash and we are trying to get that ball spilled as hard and as aggressive as we can. And there are going to be some big collisions there between our defensive ends and our fullbacks. But as we feel that, that tight end flash us and release, those guys are taking a flat angle running right to the hip of the tackle to try to get that fullback spilled as best they can. And, you know, as we all know, we don't always get it spilled. And, uh, uh, but you know, our backers are, coached well enough they understand if we don't always get that thing spilled man they're right behind us to hopefully make us right on that stuff but we are running right to the hip of the tackle trying to get that thing spilled trying to wrong arm that thing trying to get that thing spilled to the outside you know if, if we really struggle with some of that stuff we'll do either one of two things we'll start reading the tackle a little bit which again i'm not i'm not a big i'm not big on that and i don't want our young kids getting too locked into that because again like i feel like I feel like we're scheming up our offense where we get into the course of the year, we don't see a gap power. We just don't see it. So I, I don't want our kids getting so locked into doing something like that for something that we will not see uh, in, in 10 games next year. But we'll, we'll read the tackle. Uh, the other thing we'll do is, is, is we'll ram. So what ram means is we'll line up as a six technique. And when we, in certain eye backs, we will just sprint to the hip of the tackle. And it's kind of a movement that's called uh, that we will run in those situations when we know power is coming. Now, our backers need to understand that because they might potentially have to make us right and fit off of us if we are ramming. So those are those are two things that we've done uh, that has helped us with some of the A-gap power stuff. Um, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, we're going to adjust our interior, guys. If, if we know power is coming, you know, we, we, we might play, line up as a three technique. Indian front, it, two, well, two eyes. Yeah. yeah, we've done we've done some of that, but we'll line up as a three technique and we will hammer back on the tackles. We'll throw our hands to the tackle. We'll we'll try to knock them back that way rather than playing our guard. We'll play a little bit heavier on the nose because again, a gap power. If you're not getting great movement on your nose tackle, not always a great play. So those guys, so we might play a tilt. We might play a one technique on that center to put a little bit more pressure on that guy. Um, but but offense, you know the. the we're going to do our best to try to stop that play. We're going to try to force them to do something else. And, and uh, when we know that's coming, our kids are pretty dialed into it. And, and uh, we do a pretty good job with it. So they're arcing the six and they're doubling the three with a guard and a tackle. Is that right? And then yes. that, that backside guard's turning up in a gap. Yes. And so, okay. Fullbacks right. kicking, kicking out that six technique and yeah. they are trying to, you know, 
Coach Rolls, you know, he, he, he always says, you know, on track, cut back. So it's, it's an A-gap to A-gap play. If that play bounces, th- those running backs are getting yelled at. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a tight, tight fit. Yeah, which is why that nose can't cross face. Nope. Um, and, and it's really – and I would see why you would play him tilt there so he can constrict that gap. Correct. Um, and and make it make it harder on that that center to get movement on him because Correct. If he's able Correct. to do that and and then and then just have have a presence in his gap. Then that thing is going to bounce. Right. Um, right. But and and again, you know, when we get, you know, I'm probably jumping ahead here a little bit, but like when when we face our opponents, you know, we're a firm. We need to stop their best run play. If we're yeah. playing the buys and offense. We're going to play some different techniques to stop that play. We want to force these guys to have to run something maybe they don't want to feel comfortable about. So we're going to play, you know, three technique. We're going to play into that four four eye technique and try to hold it. Because again, if they're not getting movement on those interior guys and a gap power, it's not a great play for them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, you already you just you just uh, that segues in our next question. Um, when you're breaking down opponents' run game. Um, what are some things that you look at, you know, that, or what's that process like for you? You know, are you looking at backfield sets? Are you looking at tight end, um, you know, on the ball, off the ball? Like how, how do you break down an opponent's run game and then, and then get that information to your players in a way that's useful for them? Yep. The, the, it's a great question. I mean, when, when we're scouting the opponent, the, the first thing I'm going to do is, is I'm going to make a little hit chart of what the backfield sets, um, tight end alignment, um, you know, certain guys you know maybe they're always running the ball at number 85 at tight end and running away from number 87 you know I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a chart and and start with the backfield sets okay you know if it's if the back is to the tight end hey all they're running is is, is read zone if the back is away from the tight end hey all they're running is a pin and pull scheme you know our kids are going to have a great understanding of of what plays are coming out of those backfield sets um, and where that tight end is aligned. Okay, the tight end, every time he's in the core, he's kicking out that DN. Our DNs are going to know that. They're going to know where that tight end's aligned, and they're going to know what, what run plays are coming. Um, and, and then, that, you know, once I make that chart, um, I'm going to give that to those guys. And I send a, um, you know, I got everything kind of through an electronic message, and I'll send that to those guys, and I'll quiz them uh, towards the end of the week of, hey, you know, what are they running when the back, you know, when they're in the gun and the back is to that tight end surface and, and they better give me those right answers. And uh, when the tight ends in the core, what run plays are they running, you know, out of this look? So I'm going to chart all that stuff. And again, along with that, I'm going to chart the alignment of those tight ends, alignment of the running back. You know, I, I don't get too much into like formations and stuff like that of, you know, hey, you know, this is the three receiver side. I, I don't want our D linemen to think about all that stuff unless it is a really really, really strong tendency. I'm not going to have those guys, you know, know out of all those formations, but I'll send that stuff to those kids electronically and they're going to have a great idea of what plays are coming. And that also builds our our kind of our game plan and our movement off of that stuff. You know, if if they're running this defense uh, or they're running this play, uh, let's get into this defense. Let's get our three technique to the, to the defensive end because we know he's going to have to be a cut to key player because they run read zone out of this look. Okay. You know, they're a pin and pull team out of this look. Let's bring pressure, you know, into it. Let's, you know, things like that. We're trying to build our game plan around, you know, what we're seeing out of our opponent and uh, try to get our kids, you know, in the best position possible. Because again, I just, I'm a firm believer, like, you know, a team is going to be, they're going to have a play. This is their bread butter. This is what they want to do. Is it a gap power? Is it read zone? And if we can take that away from them and force them to do something else, I feel like our defense is going to be in a good situation. Yeah, I think 
making something like that for your guys and giving it to them because, like you said, you don't worry about – you don't focus on formations or like that. But just that kind of stuff, like, that also helps them go and watch film. You know, like yep. – because I know as, as a as – a, in high school, we, we did, film really wasn't available the way that it is now. And in college, we had to wait around and get a, a, a CD burned, you know. Like, <laughs> I had to, everybody, they made yeah. CDs for everybody, so I take it home, and it was really hard to, like, navigate through – and so it's super easy now. The guys are watching on their phone and, and they got yep. cut ups and, and, yep. but I, I think sometimes kids just get out, they get on film and they just watch the game, you know, yeah. they're, or they're, yep. they're watching the ball. And so giving them something like, Hey, here's this hit chart. And I'll, I want you to watch, you know, when they're in, you know, when, when tight ends on the same side of the back, this is, this is what we're getting. Right. Go through and watch those. And, and that, I just think that helps them. It gives them some structure and, and watching film and studying film as opposed to just going and watching plays. Yeah, that, that's always something that we have to do with our young kids when they get here is you're exactly right. They 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 pull, pull it, put a game on, they hit play, and they just let it go. And it's, are you watching film? Yeah, coach, I'm watching film. I watched for three hours last night. Well, are you, right? are you watching the right stuff? Like, okay, you know, in 21 personnel, when the back is to your side and we make these calls, what, what, what player do they have a tendency of running? What are they doing? Okay, that tight end is lined up in the core. Okay, what run plays are they running? You know, and, and then, you know, how can I focus on, okay, I'm, I'm watching my guard, you know, is his stance giving anything away? Is the tackle looking at my, my DN telling me it's pass? Are they in a two-point stance? Are they in a three-point stance? You know, teaching those kids, you know, to truly be watching the stuff that's going to help them be a better player. I, again, we all of our young kids come in there, they hit play and say, Coach, I'm watching film. No, you're not watching film. You're not watching the right stuff. You know, we we got to put ourselves in a position to be successful and know what plays are coming. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's great stuff. And that's a that's just um kind of some, one of those things we, we sort of take for granted that, that you act, you got to show your guys or teach them how to watch film. Because yes. um, like you said, I'll we get on every week and we look at their their how many how many hours because on huddle you can see how many hours they're watching. And Hey man, you only watched you know twenty minutes of film this week, or less than that. Or then you get some of these guys who got all these hours, but they still don't know what's going on. And so it's right. you know, obviously they're just they're just watching like fans and and just watching the game to you know just to to get their time up. But um, all right, coach, well we're gonna close out tonight with some uh, with some rapid fire questions. Our last of the season, coach. So um, gonna put you under the gun here for a little bit. Pressure, but I pressure's on. Pressure's yeah, on. Hey, hey, it's the pressure versus stress, right? <laughs> pressure versus I stress. It. I love so, it. Um, okay, uh, and you've you've been a part of of a lot of championship seasons, uh, and and you know won national championships at Duluth and now at NDSU. Uh, do you have any game day superstitions? I I don't know if I have any superstitions. I I think everybody on our team and our program has routines, and okay. everybody right. does the same thing. We need to sit in the same spot for our meal. We need to eat the same meal. We need to do the same routine. Um, if if all of a sudden I did something in warm up, our guys would flip out. If something different, time happened differently. You know, it, it's it's a routine, and, and I don't I don't again I don't have any superstitions, but it's a routine that we have to do um, every single week that I think allows our kids to be comfortable, allows me to be comfortable, and allows us to go out there and play our best. So I don't know if that's a if that's a superstition or just being a little bit more of a routine oriented program. I, I think a lot of people 
superstitious people listening. It's like, yeah, those are superstitions. You're <laughs> welcome to the uh, superstitious club. Um, all right. I'm sure you've played in a ton of, oh, I know you have, but I've seen some of your games and, and, and watched some of you guys and seen your schedule. Uh, what's the best road atmosphere you've, you've coached in? Best road atmosphere. I, again, I, for our guys, you know, playing at the FCS level, you know, it's going into some of these FBS venues, you know, for our kids. And, and uh, again, are those FBS venues as big as what they would be for another big 10 game or something? I, I don't know. But when we went to Iowa and, and beat those guys in, in 15, and when we beat Kansas state in 2013, I, I think we're the two most, electric, crazy, exciting nights that, that I will never forget. And, uh, um, you know, playing at Iowa and being part of that and, and playing as well as we did that day and winning with, you know, 10 seconds, 15 seconds left in the game, you know, things like that I'll never forget. So I would say those, those venues were probably the, the, the best, you know, road venues that we've been part of. You know, in, in our conference or at the FCS level, we went out to Montana one time and, boy, that was one crazy atmosphere. And they, they beat us that, that year. And, uh, great atmosphere, um, you know. In our in our league, South Dakota State is always a tough place to play. They always have their biggest crowds there, and, and you and I is always a tough place to play. So I, I would say those have been the the toughest venues for us. So the the pink locker room at Iowa didn't throw you guys <laughs> off too much, then, huh? We were all prepared. We knew what it, what it was all about, and uh, our kids are just they love playing in those venues and, 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 you know, those kids just, they believe they belong and uh, they're not intimidated. They, they, you know, sometimes it takes us a couple series to realize, yeah, we can play with these guys. Um, but the, every venue they step into, I, I really believe this program, this team, these guys believe they can beat anybody. Well, I know you've, you've coached against a lot of really talented players in your time there. Who's, when you think back on it, who are some of the best players that you've had to coach against? Oh, that's a great question. Um, yeah, and, and we've had some tremendous players come out of this league. You know, Dallas Goddard, who's playing for the the Eagles, was a, a great tight end that played for South Dakota State. Um, you know, they, they've had some really good players at South Dakota State this past year. The the Penning kid that got drafted in the first round by uh, uh, from out of UNI was a tremendous offensive lineman for them. UNI had some really good offensive linemen. David Johnson. You know, running back that that played for the Cardinals and um, is still in the NFL was a UNI grad. So I, there's a long list of of guys that that we played against. And, and again, I I still think like you know for our guys and our D line to play against guys that get drafted in the NFL of Dylan Radens every single year that that got drafted by the Titans and this past year Cordell Volson got drafted um, to go play for the Bengals, but. For our guys to play against those guys every single day, every single practice point makes us better up front. So uh, there's been some tremendous kids in our league, and I think our league gets a lot of respect, uh, certainly at the, at the next level. And um, our kids enjoy, you know, competing against some really good players there. Okay, so now we're going to – I'm going to kind of have you take us behind the scenes a little bit. So I think I heard today that the, the 49ers have officially moved off of Jimmy G, <laughs> and it's Trey Lance's team. North Dakota State Bison. So yep. for those of us like myself who know very little about Trey Lance, give us some insight as to who he is, what kind of person he is, kind of competitor he is, and what 49ers can expect with him calling the shots or as his, you know, being at the helm now. Well, we got probably the best quarterback coach in the country. So Coach Hedberg, you know, he's tutored Carson Wentz and, and uh, Easton Stick, who's the backup quarterback for the Chargers. And 
and Trey Lance. So he, he's, he's a tremendous football coach. And, you know, every one of those guys are different. Again, I, I was here for all, all three of those kids and, and uh, um, all different players. You know, people don't realize, like Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz never played until he was a junior. You know, he was a scout team quarterback his first couple of years. And Carson Wentz is number two pick overall. But, you know, um, great player, Easton Stick, number all-time winningest quarterback in, in, uh, in FCS history. But Trey is, is, is an unbelievable combination of athleticism and, and the ability to throw. And uh, the kid's got all the talent in the world. Um, he's extremely humble. Um, awesome family. Uh, his little brother plays receiver for us now. Awesome kid. Works his tail off. Um, Trey studies the game, uh, works really hard at it, loves the game. Um, he, he just young, you know, <laughs> he was in our program for two years, you know I mean? So like, like, you know, Carson and Easton were in our program for five years. You knew a lot more about him. Trey's just young. He just doesn't have as much, much experience, but everything you'd ask for in a, in a player, everything you'd ask for in a kid, um, just an unbelievable person, great teammate. I mean, guys loved him. Guys played really hard for him. Um, I'm excited to see what Trey can do because I think he's going to be a, a really good player in the NFL. He's a great leader, and, and uh, I'm excited to see what he does this year. Yeah, I think I think everybody uh, is is uh, kind of excited to see what you know what that's going to look like, and and uh, with, with him playing, you know, in the Shanahan system. Uh, I was I was looking at your schedule before we start recording. Again, you guys have a, a really tough schedule. You're going out to to uh, to Tucson to play Arizona, is that correct? Yep. Yep. Looking over at your schedule, what what are the games that that you have circled as ones that you're really looking forward to, or that are going to be big games for you? Yeah, you know, again, like you mentioned, I think for our kids playing a FBS program, going down to Tucson, um, you can guarantee there's a lot of kids looking at that game already. Which um, once the season starts on, on Wednesday here, we got to focus on one team and then for one game, and that's our first game in the year. But uh, I, I know our kids will be really excited about that. You know, so South Dakota State always plays us extremely well. Um, they beat us uh, quite a few times here. I shouldn't say quite a few times, but you know, a few times in the last couple of years, they, they've you know done a good job of defending us and, and play really well against us. That's always a tough game. They're very talented. Um, you know, and, and I think UND is getting better. Uh, the team up north, again, um, used to play them back in the eighties and that was a real big rivalry of ours. Um, but they're getting better. They're improving. That'll be a good game and, and they'll play us really hard. You know, Illinois state's always a great conference school too. And, uh, uh, they, they play a, a physical brand of football and that's always a challenging game for us, but our league is tough. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's one of those leagues that, you know, if you take your foot off the gas and, and, and don't put in the time and the effort for a week, you'll get beat, you'll get beat. And, and, uh, but that gets us ready. And, and if, if we, if, uh, and, and as we know, you know, every, every team circles the bison, you know, you, you know, we're going to get everybody's best shot, which, which is good. And it makes it fun. So um, our league is tough and, and we're excited about, uh, you know, playing this year. Coach, uh, you, you got another bison fan now down here in Texas and, and going to be pulling for you guys looking for you guys to continue the, uh, the reign of dominance and, and uh, just really excited for you, and I want to wish you and the Bison the best of luck in 2022. Well, it's, it was, it's been great talking to you. I, I love talking D-line stuff, and I get excited about it, and, and uh, I appreciate what you do. And, and I'm going to tell you firsthand, if you've never seen the Bison play in the Fargo Dome, um, it, it's quite an experience. And the place gets pretty loud. It's pretty rowdy. Uh, obviously, up here in, in Fargo, North Dakota, there's no NFL team. 
there's no bigger football program uh, than, than the Bison. And the, the kind of the city and the state, you know, shut down when the Bison play. But you are more than welcome, and you have a ticket if you ever want to come up here to a game, man. I'd love to show you around and, and have a good time. Awesome. Yeah, you know, the far, I, I should have asked you about the Fargo Dome. We're talking about venues, <laughs> but that is such a cool spot to play. I can imagine, you know, maybe it's kind of gotten, you know, mundane for you or whatever, but just whenever I see you guys in that, it's just always such a, a cool looking place. I can imagine that's a lot of fun to be a part of. I tell you, I've been here for 13 years, but when our guys take the field to start the game, I still got those goosebumps that go down my back, man, and the crowd gets rowdy. And, you know, every third down, it, it is so loud in that dome that, that our, our D linemen, that we have to signal and, and everything because we can't talk and communicate to each other. And, and you can imagine how hard that is on an offense, you know, trying to get their cadence and change plays and stuff like that. I mean, our, our crowd is a huge, huge factor in the success that we have at, at, at NDSU. So, man, come on up here and come check it out. I think for a lot of people, it's kind of one of those bucket list places. And uh, it, it's, it's a pretty neat experience. But, uh, yeah, you're more than welcome to come up anytime you want. All right, Coach. Thank you. Appreciate it. No problem. Thanks once again to Coach Gazer for joining us today. We had a lot of fun talking, and I appreciate him taking the time to share with us. Hey, make sure you go and give him a follow on Twitter, at Nick Gazer. That's at Nick, N-I-C-K, Gazer. That's a little tricky. It's G-O-E-S-E-R. Uh, anyway, and let him know you heard him here on KYPD. Also, be sure to follow us at KYPD Podcast. And although we will not be posting any more episodes during the season, you can still count on us to uh, retweet content relevant to D-line coaches. So go ahead and give us a follow if you aren't following us already. Go and give us a five-star rating and leave us a review that goes a long way in spreading the word about our podcast here, especially in the months where we're not putting out episodes. That helps us out a lot. So thank you in advance. Our quote of the day comes from today's conversation with Coach Gazer, and it is, you're either green and growing or ripe and dying. And with that, we will say so long to you guys until next year. Again, I want to sincerely thank you for all of the feedback and encouragement we get from you. It really means a lot. And uh, I, I want to wish you guys the best of luck this year with your seasons, unless, unless you're on our schedule. Uh, but get out there and enjoy it. And remember, we are in the greatest profession in the world uh, at, at a time when I think our players need us uh, most. And I don't know if there's uh, ever been a point in the history of this profession where coaching and coaches have had a more of a significant role than they do now. Uh, so anyway, go out there and, and get those guys coached up, have a lot of fun. And for the last time this season, Coach Gazer, give these guys some final words of wisdom before we close this thing down. Keep your pads down. 